0: Welcome to Radical Resilience, the podcast. I'm your host, Pega Kadkodian. Resilience is more than just learning to bounce back from adversity. It is both a spiritual and practical journey of returning to the essence of who you are. With Radical Resilience, life can throw anything at you, and no matter how tossed around you get, no matter how hard you fall, you have the ability to get back up and come home to yourself. Here are the inspirational stories of women who embody Radical Resilience And learn the resources you need to reclaim your passion, purpose, and power. Hello everyone, and welcome to Radical Resilience the podcast. As always, this is your host, Pega Cadcodian. I'm really excited to have today's guest on. She is a dear friend of mine and colleague, and someone with whom I've partnered up to do a variety of things. And more than anything, I just value her because she's somebody who walks the talk. She works with people one-on-one doing transformational work, helping them to overcome their inner obstacles so that they can really fully step into who they are and fulfill on their life's purpose. Susan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Pega. That really moved me. Actually, I I felt that from your heart and I, I really appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Yeah, of course. So Susan, the reason I asked you to be on the show, aside from just being Awesome expert in this field of transformational work that we're doing, is that your story really inspired me when you shared with me, I think it was a couple of years ago, the journey that you've been on in terms of your personal development and your overall health and well-being. I I was so struck because it's a it's a story that we can all relate to. I I have a, a similar narrative myself. And as you told the story, I was really taken aback by your humility and how you used what happened as a springboard for doing the work that you do in the world with people.
1: You know, when we're going through it, it really doesn't feel inspirational. And I love that, that this has been part of my journey because I had an absolute breakdown uh, burnout, that was the hardest thing that I had gone through. and it turned out to be the most beautiful thing and thing that I most almost, aside from my kids' um, things that that best thing that ever happened to me.
0: I always remark at that, you know, when when people tell us their stories of resilience that it was in that moment of breakdown that they were actually able to break through. And that that moment of darkness and or profound pain was the opening they needed to wake up.
1: Absolutely. For some people, they they see what's coming and make changes. For me, everything had to fall apart. It looked like I was on top of the world. I had a really big job at uh, a really good company, making multiple six figures. I lived in a really good part in the Seattle area. Um, my kids were going to great schools. I had money in the bank. I worked out. I took my kids to um, practices when I could. And it just it looked like I really had my shit together. And um, what it really looked like was, you know, how you see a duck gliding across the pond. But then if you look underneath, you see their little duck feet just Pedaling like crazy, just trying to get across the pond. And that was me. While it looked like I had it all together, it was exhausting to keep it up to keep up that facade that I had it all together. I I was working, you know, 65708090 hours a week for extended periods of time. And I felt like a fraud the entire time. I, I had this narrative that people are going to figure out, I don't know what I'm doing, um, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not smart enough. And, and I wasn't even conscious of it. I can only see it now that I'm on the other side. And looking back, I just feel all this compassion for this person who was just searching for validation and love outside of herself. And the way that I found that was through work. Um, I was raised by workaholic parents, and they were very proud of my work ethic. And then I married a man who's also, my dad's an Enneagram 3, my husband's an Enneagram 3, and and, um, they were all very proud of my work ethic. So when I started seeing the signs of burnout, and it wasn't just because I'm not sleeping, I have migraines, I'm not digesting my food, I'm miserable, I'm also beating myself up. Why can't I be more grateful for how good I have it? Why am I not happy? Um, You know what's wrong with me. So it was the burnout from the physical and the mental and emotional.
0: I think that so many of our listeners can relate to that story, to can relate to that narrative, because our Western culture perpetuates that way of thinking, right? And even just to hear you say appearance on the outside, it appeared that you had it all together. You know, you were the sort of picture perfect ideal of what we think about when we say the word success. And yet under the surface, there was so much more going on. And so many of the clients I work with, this is their exact narrative, right? They're just, they're exhausted. They're burnt out. And they're like, I shouldn't be complaining because look at my life. I it, I, I should be grateful for everything that I have. And Really, the truth of it is that it's a paradigm that is not sustainable.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Tony Robbins says success without fulfillment is failure. And so while it looked like I had these external successes, I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And what I also learned was that I was chasing someone else's idea of what success was. Right. I did all the things that society said that would make me happy and I wasn't happy. So then what's wrong with me? And all of these things kind of came to a head as I'm wearing these masks, trying to be what everyone else wants me to be, because then maybe I'll be enough. My doctor was saying, you know, Susan, your health is a ticking time bomb. You need to stop because you don't want what's next. And I just laughed. I don't know, Pega, I know you can relate to this. When someone says, you know, you need to take a break, you need to rest. And when you're in that hustle, you just laugh. Like, I can't stop. There's too many people counting on me and there's too many things to do. Essentially, the world would fall apart if I didn't keep going, if I didn't keep doing things for everybody else. I didn't have time to think about what I needed. I was so focused on work and exhausted and unfulfilled and miserable and not knowing why. That um, my kids, my teenage kids um, got diagnosed with ADD and anxiety, which is why they were struggling in school. And that, the straw that broke the camel's back, because I felt like a failure as a mom on top of everything else. And so about a week after that, I got up early to go to work. I was in my closet. You know, I had foggy brain and I was just trying to figure out what to put on my body. And that one question was the one that was just too much and I collapsed to the floor and I couldn't get up and I just cried. This inner voice inside of me was saying, Susan, get up. Susan, get up. People are counting on you. Get up. But I, I couldn't, like I, I couldn't for my kids for my husband, for my job. I I couldn't get up for me. I couldn't get up for anybody. That's what it took for me to wake up and see that what I was doing wasn't working. And I was actually housebound for three months. Um, It almost killed me. I had suicidal ideation. I um, had to go to therapy for three times a week. I had to take the Family Medical Leave Act from work. And it was in this force, that I finally had to take a look at what was driving me and what I was running from. And in this recovery time was when I actually began the, the the exploration and the curiosity because I had been a lifelong learner. I had been to five different Tony Robbins events. I had studied all the greats um, and Abraham Hicks and all that. And yet here I was. So, there's one thing to know the information, and then there's another thing to embody it. And in this breakthrough, um, th- that's that's where I finally had no choice but to rest and sleep and be. And when my therapist and my coach said, you know, your assignment this weekend is to just be, I said, um, is there like a checklist for that? Like, what does that mean?
0: Oh, that's so funny because, you know, we're, we're, we're so cut from the same cloth. I remember getting that same directive as I was going through my own dark night of the soul and just kind of going, what do you mean I have to just be? How do, I, how do you do that? Is there, is there a how-to manual for that? You know, I get it. I so get it. And so there you are. You've been living the picture perfect life. Uh, but underneath, there's so much more going on. And your body just shuts down because it simply can't take it anymore. And this concept called adrenal fatigue gets thrown around uh, a lot. It's been thrown around a lot. But just give our listeners a glimpse into what that actually looks like for you. I mean, emotionally, certainly we understand it was like you just couldn't anymore. What were the physical manifestations of this for you?
1: Well, and for me, um, adrenal, fi- I adrenal um, burnout, phase three, fa- um, and then chronic fatigue, autoimmune disease, leaky gut, um, I had lost my cognitive functioning. So those were some of the symptoms. So adrenal burnout for me meant that if I was like, I was, compl- I was exhausted, I would take a nap at the top of my stairs. Like I would just have to rest. I, I would finally, um, allow myself to take two and a half hour long baths because I was just so tired. If I was explaining something and I had to say, let's say I said the word up, I would point down because my, my cognitive functioning just wasn't working. I had lost, um, short-term memory. I gained a lot of weight. What they say with adrenal burnout is, um, that you're fat and stupid, like because you gain weight because of all the cortisol and the hormones being so off balance that even though I'm not eating or digesting my food, I'm I'm swelling up. It is in a state of emergency. Um, and then stupid, because you you just lose your cognitive functioning. Um, it's also a loss of hope, um, which is really significant. So there's no hope, it's always going to be this way. I mentioned suicidal ideation, what that meant wasn't like, <clears throat> it would mean like, I'm going to drive, I'm driving somewhere. And then I would just say, What if I just swerved a little bit so that this car hit me head on and then it would leave? But I would get that a lot during this adrenal burnout phase, which isn't like me because I was the person that would always get complimented on her smile and the light in her eyes and and being, you know, I'm an Enneagram seven and I'm (laughs) perpetually happy. And so this is what it looked like. And I didn't even see it because it became my new norm. Just so
0: well, I just think it's it's such an important thing for our listeners to hear that because, you know, if you can hear yourself as you're listening to this and you go, yeah, that's me, it's really important to pay attention, you know, rather than waiting until you're in your closet unable to pick an item of clothing to wear that day, you know, there are a lot of warning signs that come prior to that level of burnout. And so my my hope really in having you on the show is that the folks who are listening to this who can hear themselves inside of what you're experiencing will take it upon themselves to acknowledge that they're going through that and take some action. And so I so appreciate you sharing the emotional mm-hmm. symptoms of it and the physical of it. And, uh, you know, just with the hopes that people who are listening can know that they're not alone, that this is a real thing, that it's not that you've lost your willpower, that there's anything wrong with you at all, but that your body is really going through something. And that when the body goes through that sort of massive shutdown, it's, it's trying to give you a
1: message. Absolutely. And you know, this is like I said, phase three adrenal burnout, and there's so many signs that lead up to that. And in my recovery, once I was able to read again, I studied burnout because I'm so curious. And what I learned is when you are out of alignment with your values and who you are, it leads to burnout. Um, And it's also when you're not listening to what you need, it's not being in touch with who you need or with, excuse me, who you are, or what you need. Um, there can be burnout when you don't have hope or when you don't see meaning or when you're doing things because you should. You can only do that for so long because that takes you way off of your center and you're meant to thrive. What so many of us have seen in our society is to do, 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 and then have, 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 have. And then you can figure out who to be once you can afford it.
0: Again, we're so in alignment, which is why I'm so excited to have you on this show. I think that is a line straight out of my ebook, which is, you know, we have it so backwards in our Western society, which is that we are so focused on what we're doing to then acquire things. And then we wake up one day and go, but I have no idea who I am. And, you know, our definition of radical resilience is when you know who you are, like really at your essence. When you really have that, when you know who you are beyond your responsibilities and your roles, and you can return to that over and over again and align with your values and your overall mission in life, and you can get all of those things really aligned, then you become, in effect, like the palm tree in the hurricane. You can always come back to center, no matter how much life whips you around, but Mm -hmm. you got to begin to have the awareness to know when you're out of alignment. And sometimes for some of us who are pretty thick headed, myself included, um, it takes a pretty hard knock or down to wake you up to the fact that you may be out of alignment.
1: Absolutely. Especially, you know, Being in this culture and and my family in particular, I went to work more than I went to school when I was in high school. Like my outlet was work. My validation was work. I didn't ever sit down. I was always having to be productive. And so doing, doing, doing was normal for me. I, I didn't even think about that I was doing something wrong or that was part of the issue. And so just learning... Uh, your values and learning about what play is for you and giving yourself permission to play and what your interests are and what you, what your dreams are. And then getting into the alignment of that, just like you said, and and coming back to that center and like take a breath and trust yourself. Like that's, that's where you can start thriving. And that's my goal with my clients is, for them to be able to trust themselves. And like, I love that palm tree vision in the hurricane because life is hard, (laughs) right? And stuff happens and it's just coming back to center. And so you can go way off center because stuff happens but you don't have to live there. So then how do you come back to center? So for me, the, the thing that as I started looking at what, how does burnout happen what is the mindset? What are the emotions? And I really I had a lot of trauma in my childhood that drove a lot of these beliefs and a lot of this void that I was trying to fill outside of me. And I had this really powerful experience where I was able to shift my perspective and recognize that there was nothing wrong with me. and And when I believed that and saw this different perspective, everything changed in an instant. And we we have the power to change in an instant, but sometimes it takes a long time to get there. But because I hadn't done my cleanup work, so what had happened was I I somehow made it to the top of Angel's Landing. Um, A friend tricked me into going up one of the most treacherous hikes in the US park system uh, over 8 hours so it was a gradual climb and but then once i got to the top i went holy shit how did i do this oh my god there's nothing wrong with me i am i'm, I'm going to be okay and it was in that moment you know my health hadn't changed my circumstances hadn't changed i changed what what i knew was possible changed and it only took me four hours to get down. And I did a tough mutter and I became a Zumba instructor and I changed jobs. But then a year and a half later, I found that I started the same burnout process again because I started to work at the workaholic thing again and the escaping again. And I was drinking every night again.
0: We were just talking about that like moments ago before we recorded this podcast about I'm back here again. It's like, yeah. Sometimes you're going to be back there again and again and again until you learn the lesson and then you'll just be back there again in a different iteration of it. So, you know, I'm glad to hear you say that because I think so many people have this sort of, you know, uh, overcoming the odds story, right? This is like my story of victory and overcoming this thing. And if they make it seem like it's just sort of one and done. You know, I had this moment of awakening on top of this mountain and I realized everything be different and then I did X, Y, and Z and look at me now. And the truth is that it's not that. The truth is that we continue to relearn the lessons and relearn the lessons and relearn the lessons, you know, and we just continue to evolve upward as we continue to cycle through these things. And so I'm really glad to hear you say like, I was right back there. Because it isn't a one and done kind of thing. There was more work to do.
1: Absolutely. So I came to this point where I said, I don't know what's next, but it's not this. And when my son graduated from high school and made it into college because he worked his ass off um, for a year once we got the right help, um, I said, it's time for me. And I didn't ask anyone for permission. I just did it. But I'd also been planning it for a year, (laughs) like not it, but saving my money and being like just paying attention and being curious. And I took off and then um, I went to Bali for a couple of weeks by myself. I all the same, all the spiritual teachers were telling me, just don't worry, be happy. And I'm like, oh, sure, I'll just be happy. Okay. You know, but what they were saying is I'm stressing and thinking about all of these things. Just let them go. Just be happy. And what I ended up doing is I found myself in the training that you were leading with NLP. And I, like I said, I had been to five Tony Robbins events and I loved NLP, but I hadn't studied it. And I found myself at the edge of my seat, the entire training fell in love with the possibilities with with understanding that what we think we create, that our perception is projection, that we are meaning makers. So then I really realized that while I've been trying to control everything outside of me and get validation outside of me, it doesn't work that way. It's like what you are thinking and feeling on the inside creates what's going on on the outside, the meaning that you're giving things. And that shifted everything for me. So then I I continued my studying and I, through the studying, you know, I I released so much of the trauma of my childhood and these beliefs and these emotions that I hadn't dealt with. And I just felt so free. And I, and that was the point where I, when I finally felt this freedom, I said, I can't not do this. I need to, I, I, I want to help people feel good because when people feel good, they they don't beat their kids. They They have more patience, they have more compassion, they have more tolerance, they have less road rage. And I just, that creates a ripple effect of kindness in the world that we so need. And because of all the mistakes, quote unquote mistakes, all of the experiences I've had, and then going through this process and then doing it every single day, Um, you know, and and needing the help of of coaches and friends like you, then I'm able to hold space for other people where there is no judgment. I could just hold space for them.
0: It's a recurring theme with so many of our guests, where they took their pain, and they turned it into their purpose. And they took this thing that nearly broke them and let it be the springboard for what they were going to do next in their lives, which is so amazing. And so I just want to, reflect back some of the things that you said that our listeners can can really take away here, which is the journey to resilience for you was about prioritizing your self-care, really tending to your physical body, which had broken down, and then doing the inner work that you started to do to let go of those childhood traumas and ultimately come into alignment with your uh, values, and then to get into action towards something that felt like it was so much more congruent for you in terms of your bigger purpose and your bigger why, which I'm always excited when I hear these these sort of affirming themes, um, you know, no matter who it is I'm talking to, it just, it, it gives, it makes me feel good that that it lines up with this theory that I have with the seven pillars of resilience, right? I'm like, oh, cool. What I'm hearing there is radical resilience. Then she took some time to heal the heart and heal the wounds. And then she got an alignment with her purpose. And I just, I love that. And I also really wanted to um, emphasize what you had said about the importance of play. Because I think so much of the time when we do this deep work, we forget that there's also the other side. Of the equation, which is you know to thrive and play and to experience joy, so I I just really appreciate your willingness to share all of that with our listeners. You know, it's so tough with with you and I because we could just go on and on and on and on and on for hours, and and we've been known to certainly when we've been collaborating on projects together, we'll just ideate for hours and hours. You know, I want to make sure that we uh, honor your time and. Uh, Maintain our integrity with the timing of this podcast. So, we will just have to have you back on the show to talk about more things um, and to share even more about your story. But I really hope that the folks who are listening today were able to take away some, some nuggets. If you heard yourself inside of this story, as I know so many of us do, please give yourself permission to take a breather, to reevaluate how you're doing things and um, know that. It is your divine responsibility to take care of yourself first and foremost before you can show up to anyone or for anyone else. So, Susan, thank you so much. If our listeners want to find you on social media channels and Instagram, what, what is your handle and, and how can they get in touch
1: with you? Yeah, absolutely. It's Susan Palmer Wood. And that's on all the socials, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and also my website, SusanPalmerwood.com.
0: So there you have it, folks. Susan Palmerwood, our guest, if you want to get in touch with her, um, feel free to do that on any one of her channels or her website. Thank you for having me. We will be back next week with another guest on Radical Resilience, the podcast. So join us then. From my heart to yours with so much love, light, and aloha. Namaste. I'm Pega Cadcodian. Thank you for listening to Radical Resilience, the podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Be sure to go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and rate. And remember to share this with all the amazing women in your life. Join us next week for another episode of Radical Resilience, the podcast.